Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Whenever Paul wanted to emphasize uh, a certain truth, an important truth, an orthodox statement, a truth that was probably used as a confession of orthodoxy or as part of a hymn that the early church used, a song that they sang, he would identify that truth or that statement as a trustworthy statement. It was something you could count on, something that was a cornerstone and a foundation to our belief system. And so what we're about to study this morning is a truth, uh, an orthodox statement that all genuine believers in Christ hold to. In fact, you could not be a believer in Christ and disagree with this because this is the foundation. And what is this truth about? It's about God's kindness to us. This is part of a larger argument that Paul is engaged in. It began as he opened up chapter 3 by telling us that we have a responsibility to be kind and to be loving to those in secular society, to to those who are lost, to those who are unsaved. We're We're to be kind and we're to be loving to people who are not always kind and loving. Every now and then I read about a government funded study on the obvious. For example, I once read that a vast amount of money had been spent determining that men and women are born different. So far, though, I am not aware of any studies on the subject of the effects of boycotts on church growth. In spite of the lack of statistical evidence, I think it is safe to say that no one has ever been brought into the kingdom of God by attacks on their ungodly behavior. I know that attacks on my behavior would not have led me to Christ. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a daily radio Bible school taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve's expository or verse by verse messages make their way to your radio through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith-based ministry supported by caring listeners like you. Pastor Steve would like to share with us some thoughts on why you might like to become one of our support partners. Here he is now. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you receive on Verse by Verse. We believe that the Word of God has answers for problems. We know that life has stresses, life has pressures. We're looking for answers. We believe that the place to look is the Word of God, and we are uh, grateful every time we hear that someone is listening to the radio, and uh, our program has been transformed by by scripture because uh, the word of God is not only inspired but Paul said it is profitable and it will transform lives so we're grateful that uh, we could come into your home into your car and and help you deal with life's pressures if you've been blessed through verse by verse please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts you can call 727-441-1714 that's 727-441-1714 or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. 
Pastor Steve is teaching from the third chapter of the book of Titus, which deals with effective evangelism. If you have your Bible ready, turn there now because Pastor Steve is going to continue teaching us why we are commanded to treat the lost with kindness. You know, various religious groups and denominations tend to look at things differently. They tend to see things differently. Someone has illustrated their varying approaches to issues by suggesting what would happen if all of these groups were gathered together somewhere in a, in a building and someone suddenly rushed in and yelled, there's a fire, the building's on fire. Here's what this person suggested, how the various groups would handle it. The Methodists would gather in the corner and they would pray. The Quakers would quietly praise God for the blessings that fire brings. The Baptist, being immersionist, would cry, where's the water? The brethren would begin a Bible study on the word fire. The Congregationalists would shout every person for himself. Some staunch fundamentalists would proclaim the fire is the vengeance of God. The Presbyterians would appoint a chairperson who would appoint a committee to look into the matter and make a written report to the session. And the secretary of the church, well, she would just uh, grab the fire extinguisher and put out the fire. You see, different religious groups and denominations tend to look at different issues differently. They have varying approaches. However, there is one thing that all true born-again believers agree on, one doctrine that uh, everybody sees and everybody is certain about this and they all have the same mindset and they will not change their mind on this. And that one biblical issue is found in Titus chapter 3. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Titus chapter 3. If you're visiting, perhaps you don't have a Bible, just look on with somebody else. But we are studying Paul's letter to Titus, one of his last letters, and we're in the third chapter. And this is the issue. Starting at verse 4, But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God may be careful to engage in good works. These things are good and profitable for men. This is the gospel of God's grace, His mercy, His love in capsule form, in summary form. In fact, in verse 8, Paul calls it a trustworthy or a reliable statement. Now, what does he mean by that? Actually, what you should know, the verses that I just read in the original Greek language are one sentence. They're one sentence. So he's referring to from verse 4 to 8. It's a trustworthy statement. Now, what is a trustworthy statement? Well, all Scripture is trustworthy. All Scripture is reliable because it is all God's Word. However, throughout the pastoral epistles, and this is the only place we find this expression, throughout by pastoral epistles I mean First and Second Timothy and Titus, Whenever Paul wanted to emphasize uh, a certain truth, an important truth, an orthodox statement, a truth that was probably used as a confession of orthodoxy or as part of a, a, a hymn that the early church used, song, a song that they sang, he would identify that truth or that statement as a trustworthy statement. It was something you could count on, something that was a cornerstone and a foundation to 
uh, our belief system. And so what we're about to study this morning is a truth, uh, an orthodox statement that all genuine believers in Christ hold to. In fact, you could not be a believer in Christ and disagree with this because this is the foundation. And what is this truth about? It's about God's kindness to us. Very simply, it's about God's kindness to us. This is part of a larger argument that Paul is engaged in. It began as he opened up chapter 3 by telling us that we have a responsibility to be kind and to be loving to those in secular society, to, to those who are lost, to those who are unsaved. We're to, we're to be kind and we're to be loving to people who are not always kind and loving. And if you look back at verses 1 and 2, you'll see this. Remind them, that is, remind the believers on the island of Crete and us by way of application, to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. In other words, Titus, you are to remind these people that they're to do something that really goes against their grain. They're to be obedient to the Roman government, even if it's corrupt and unjust. They're not to malign people. They're not to slander them. They're to be kind. They're to be gentle. They're to be ready for every good deed to a people who are not always kind back to them. But Paul didn't stop there. He gave us seven responsibilities to pagan society, but understanding that we have struggles in this area. All of us do. All of us know unsaved people that we really struggle with. And it is not easy to be kind to them because they are so unkind. They are so at times contentious and cantankerous, and it is difficult. And so Paul didn't stop there. Knowing that it would always be a challenge to live like this, Paul gave us some reasons, three reasons why we should treat the lost with kindness. And we we looked at the first reason last week. We touched on the second reason, but the first reason we looked at, and that is because we were once just like them, just like them. Verse 3 tells us this. For we once, we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our lives in malice and envy, hating or hateful, hating one another. In other words, what Paul is saying is of all people, we should be the most understanding, the most compassionate, the most loving, because we know what it's like to be like them, because that's the way we were. That's exactly the way we were. The people you now struggle with It's like looking at an old mirror of ourselves. So of of all people, we should be most understanding. We know what it's like to be deceived. We know what it's like to be enslaved by various lusts. We know what it's like to be a, a prisoner to our own desires. We know what it's like to hate one another. And instead of resenting them and, and fighting and boycotting and, and, and being, uh, uh, being accused in our society of, of, uh, extreme right wingers who want to change everything and we, and we fight everybody who disagrees with us, we ought to understand when the world acts like the world because we were once there. We know what it's like to be ignorant and deceived and enslaved to our own desires and we should be understanding. And this is what frees us from thinking that we're better than them. This is what frees us from being condescending or resenting their liberal views on morality. We understand we were there. Why should it surprise us when sinners act like sinners? I mean, why why is that shocking to us? But there's a second reason that, that Paul gives for treating the lost with kindness. Why treat them kindly? Well, number one, because you were once like them. You should understand Number two, and we just touched on this last week, because God has been so kind to you. God has been so kind to you. And Paul tells us this in verse four. 
But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared. With this statement, Paul makes a contrast with the way we once were and the way we are now. And it's all because of God's kindness and his love for mankind. We are different now. We're not like we used to be. Oh, at times we carry some of those things into the Christian life. But there's an ongoing process of sanctification where we confess that and, and, and we move on. But we are different. And we're different. We're not like we used to be because of God's kindness and his love. Did you realize this? That, that by nature, God is kind to mankind. It says that, not just to believers. It says that he's kind to mankind. His love for mankind appeared, meaning mankind in general. The reason this may surprise you is because most of the time when we think about God's dealings with mankind, we think of God as being vengeful and full of wrath and harsh with mankind. But actually, the Bible teaches that God is very kind to mankind, all people. Where does he say this? Well, Luke chapter 6 tells us this. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus spoke about God's kindness, verse 35. He said, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Jesus is saying, if you are kind and loving to ungrateful and evil people, you are acting like God. Because that's the way God is. And you say, how is God like that? How is God kind to the unsaved? I thought God is, uh, is, is wrathful towards them. Well, God, God does hate their sin and God is wrathful towards them and the wrath of God abides upon them, but he is also kind to them. Matthew chapter five. Verse 44 and 45 say this, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be, and it's a very similar passage to what Jesus said in Luke 6, except Matthew takes it a step further, in order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes, and here's how God is kind, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God does kind things to unsaved people, just like he does to save people. We call this his common grace. Those who don't know Christ experience sunshine. They experience the the rains that cleanse the earth. They experience uh, food. They experience pleasure. God doesn't have to give that to them, but he does. God is kind. But there is another way in which God is kind, and I'd like you to see this, Romans chapter 2. God is not only kind in a physical sense, God is kind in a spiritual sense. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, is about the judgment of God, the certainty of God's judgment. Nobody who who, who is without Christ can escape the judgment of God. Paul writes, therefore, you are without excuse, chapter 2, verse 1 of Romans, every man of you who passes judgment, for in that you judge another, you yourself, you, you, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. You understand what he's saying? If you say, you know what? You're lying and the judgment of God falls upon liars. Paul said, yeah, but you lie too. So you're condemning yourself. And we know, verse 2, that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. So if you claim that others do these things and how terrible that others do these things, well, Paul says, look at your own life. You do the same things. may not be outwardly, but inwardly you do the same things. 
And do you suppose this, O man, that when you pass judgment upon those who practice such things, then you do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? He is talking about self-righteous people who love to look down upon others as how, how horrible they do these things in society. But Paul is saying, you may not do it in society, but you do it in your own heart. And he goes on to say, you lust and you murder and you hate and you covet and you do all the things that you condemn other people for. So the judgment of God is certain. You won't escape. But then he throws in verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness? Because someone might say, wait a minute. If the judgment of God should fall upon me, it hasn't fallen on me yet. And so uh, God's not going to judge me. Because look, I've lived to this point in my life and I'm doing okay. Paul says, no, no, that's the kindness of God. That's God's kindness. The fact that, that, that you are alive and have an opportunity to accept Christ, that is God's kindness to you. Don't think that because God hasn't judged you yet, he won't judge you. That's just his kindness. And so he goes on in verse 4 to say, do you not think lightly, or do you think lightly rather, of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? God's been patient with you, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. What he's saying is this. When people wake up to the fact that they deserve the judgment of God, God is holy, God is righteous, and they are unholy and they are unrighteous, and they deserve to be judged, but they wake up to the fact that God has withheld his judgment out of love for them and patience and kindness. When they wake up to that, they're going to repent. They're really going to repent, which is the first step in salvation. It is the kindness of God that leads one to repentance. When somebody finally realizes that they are a condemned sinner, And apart from Christ, there is no salvation. They deserved to die and go to hell the moment they were born. We deserve that. But God has been so kind and gracious, giving us opportunity after opportunity to accept Christ. When somebody finally wakes up and realizes that and realizes how kind God has been to them, it's going to lead to repentance. So God is kind. He's kind to all mankind. But verse 4 also says that he loves mankind, which is probably very close. It's probably uh, his kindness and, and love go hand in hand. Except that this word, there is a different word here. The Greek word for love gives us our English word of philanthropy because it's a generous outpouring of God's love. And it, it speaks of God's compassion and his affection for people. It is not the, the, it is not the uh, love of emotion This word is used in Scripture to express not emotion, but helping somebody in need, regardless of how you might feel. It's helping somebody in need. It's delivering someone who's in trouble. It is a compassionate type of love. And let me show you how it's used in Scripture so you'll you'll get an idea of God's kindness for mankind. In Acts chapter 27, if you look there, Acts chapter 27 and 28 Luke uses this word in two different places. It's translated different ways, but it's the same Greek word. And I want you to see this to understand the depth of God's compassion and God's love. In Acts chapter 27, verse 3, Paul is on his way to Rome. He had several boat rides and it's a long trip in that day to get to Rome as a prisoner. It says this in verse 3 of Acts 27, And the next day we put in at uh, Sidon, And Julius treated Paul with consideration and allowed him to go to his friends and receive care. When they got into the port of of Sidon, which would be in in Lebanon today, modern Lebanon, uh, the leader, the Roman leader, 
treated Paul with, here's that word consideration, it's the same Greek word, philanthropy or or, uh, love, treated Paul with kindness. And what he did, Paul apparently had some physical needs that needed to be taken care of, so he allowed him to go offshore and be treated by his friends. That's what we're talking about. That's the kindness of God. God is so kind to minister to people who are in need. Then the very next chapter, chapter 28 of Acts, verses 1 and 2, Paul still hasn't gotten to Rome yet. He was involved in a shipwreck and uh, right near the island of Malta, just below Sicily. And when they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us extraordinary kindness. There's that word, that love and kindness. For because of the rain that, that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. Kindness. It was cold. These men had been swimming through the Mediterranean. There was a storm, and so they built a fire and they ministered to their needs. That's what we're talking about. That's God's kindness. So God is a kind and loving God, and it's because of his loving kindness that he appeared in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why verse 4 says at the end, notice verse 4, speaking of God our Savior and his love for mankind, appeared. God has always been kind. God has always been loving. But in a very special way, he demonstrated that when he appeared in the person of Jesus Christ. Look at uh, look at Titus 2.11. It's the same thing. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That's the thought. Christ appeared in order to bring salvation. And that's why Paul goes on to explain in verse 5. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Let, let's stop there. The kindest and most loving thing that God has done for us is the fact that he saved us. Those of us who know Jesus Christ know what it means to be saved. That is to say that by the death of Christ on the cross, our sins were paid for. God's holiness was satisfied. The moment we place our trust in Christ, and Paul doesn't even deal with that here, so don't think that uh, we're leaving something out. That's not Paul's point here. It's to show how kind God has been. But it does take faith and trust. And the moment we trust him as our only means of salvation, the only way to heaven, then we are forgiven of our sins and we are delivered from hell. Hell is the place where people pay for their sins forever and ever and ever. It is eternal punishment. A horrible, horrible place. And we're delivered from that. That's where we get the word saved. We're saved from the penalty of our sins. How easy it is in the freedom we experience as Christ followers to forget our origins. God has given us a vision that we never had before. We can clearly see now that he loves us and that our previous lives were leading us to destruction. But before God opened our eyes, we had no idea we were lost. The unsaved people among whom we live are just as we once were. So if we treat them harshly, we fail to follow the example of Christ, who died to save us from God's wrath, even while we were still wretched sinners. Thanks for joining us today. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. You can learn more about Verse by Verse Ministries and how to support us at our website, versebyverseradio.org We also have hundreds of audio files available on the website so that you can listen to any of our broadcasts, including today's class. If you would like to make sure you never miss a class, I recommend subscribing to our podcast. To find out how, come see us at versebyverseradio, that's all one word, 
www.ewaldsonchurch.org. Today's lesson was the start of a three-part message. You can hear the whole message at once if you order it on an audio CD or cassette. To do so, call us at 727-239-0306. If we are not available, you can leave your name and phone number, and we will return your call during normal business hours. The number again is 727-239-0306. 19th century British statesman and financier Cecil Rhodes whose fortune was used to endow the world-famous Rhodes Scholarships, was a stickler for correct dress, but apparently not at the expense of someone else's feelings. A young man invited to dine with Rhodes arrived by train and had to go directly to Rhodes' home in his dirty traveling clothes. Once there, he was dismayed to find the other guests already assembled, wearing full evening dress. After what seemed a long time, Rhodes appeared in a shabby old blue suit. Later, the young man learned that his host had been dressed in evening clothes, but put on the old suit when he heard of his young guest's dilemma. What a wonderful example of gracious sensitivity. That is not to say that Christians should condone, or even worse, emulate the ungodly behavior of people we hope to reach with the gospel, but we do need to be sensitive to their feelings so that we don't needlessly alienate them. God has been kind to us when we deserved his wrath. Can we do less? Pastor Steve will consider that on our next verse by verse. Join us then. I'm Jerry Pruden.